Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our study this season is titled Jesus and Me Today. We know Jesus is coming back. With that in mind, what does your today look like? Here's Jacqueline. Last week we did Get What You Want. That was good. That was a good study. Scripture was good. My prayer over you guys this week was your study in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't know where you were, what study you dissected, but I pray that it was impactful in your life. Today we're going to talk about um, gifts. We've Anybody ever studied gifts before ever in their walk with the Lord? Okay, timer two. We sent out a gifts test this week. So I don't know how many, let's... Let's do it. How many did your gifts test this week? We are studious in this room. Good job. But we're going to do good morning. We're going to do gifts. And we're not going to talk Romans 12, but I highly recommend that you write down Romans 12 in your scripture for this week. We're not going to talk about 1 Corinthians 12, which I highly recommend. If you want to study gifts more intently, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 are great starting places. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about gifts as well. Beautiful study on gifts. Lots of wisdom from Paul to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14. And oddly enough, right between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is this little chapter that we call 1 Corinthians 13. Numerically, it makes sense. But all too often, we take 13 out of its context and study 1 Corinthians 13 and apply it to another human being and your love for that human. Have you ever done that? Have you ever heard it preached that way? Ever saw it on a shirt or a journal? We take out one verse out of 1 Corinthians 13, but we forget 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Well, Paul writes, gifts, love, gifts. Almost as if Paul is reminding us, your gifts are about love for God. Your love for God grows your gifts. And all three of those chapters go hand in hand. So my homework assignment request for you this week, read 1 Corinthians 13 and then study 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 and wrap that love around those two chapters. See if that changes your idea of gifts. It's very fascinating. It's very fascinating. And it deepens 1 Corinthians 13 so much deeper than love between one human and another. It's a beautiful, beautiful connection. As we study gifts today, we are not going to touch any of what I just said. That's all just for you and your Lord. So have fun with that. We are, however, going to be in Luke 6 is our place for today. We're going to start in the middle toward the end in verse 36. Luke 6, 36 is where we're going to begin. We're going to read down to verse 42. That's going to be our chunk of study today. Before we read scripture, let's pray over the words that we're going to read. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the newness that you've given to us. I thank you so much for the scripture that you've given to us that we can read cover to cover with our friends and with our God in the privacy of our own space. I thank you so much for Romans. I thank you so much for 1 Corinthians. I thank you for the inspiring words that you've given to us through Paul. I thank you for the impact that those words had on our Roman brothers and sisters. 
the impact those words had on our brothers and sisters in the city of Corinth. We know that it had impact because we're impacted by it today. Lord, your fire just spreads. It spreads through time, it spreads through ages, it spreads through cities and homes and hearts far and wide. And I thank you so much that we get to be part of that fire, part of that spread. I pray that the words from Romans and 1 Corinthians will inspire us and grow us and deepen us and root us more in our personal walk with you. I pray, Lord, right now that you'll open our eyes, that you'll teach us and allow us to see clearly what is being said in Luke chapter 6 this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll bring something brand new to light. I pray something brand new to my heart as we speak today. And I pray something brand new upon the heart of every woman who hears this scripture reading today. Grow us. Grow us and open our eyes that we may see clearly is our prayer today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching, preaching to a crowd. We can read this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as well. So if you want to deepen this sermon and read the full sermon that is recorded in Matthew, that's Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Great, great to read, especially since we're just taking out a chunk. Whenever you take out a chunk, you need to know where that chunk is coming from so you can read the whole context. The whole context is in Matthew. Luke summarizes it, and then we're going to get just a little bit of Luke's summary. That's our plan today. Luke 6, in regards to gifts, this is what we're going to read in verse 36. Jesus says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. It's a lot in that one little verse. We're going to continue on. Be merciful, Jesus says, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. That's one sentence. One sentence gives four commands. Judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Four things, two negative, two positive, and one sentence. 38 continues on and says four more things. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. These things will be put into your lap, period. My prayers that will connect 37 and 38 as one beautiful jewel to behold. Then there's advice that is given at the end of 38 and that is matched specifically in Matthew chapter 7, but Luke just gave that little indent, that little um, addition in 38. But he says at the end of 38, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In judgment, that measure that you use will be measured back to you. In condemning others, that measure that you use will be measured back to you. In forgiving others, that measure that you use will be measured back to you. In giving, the measure that you use will be used to measure you. See how those four little parts of 37 are each a measure, a measure that we use for others and a measure that's used on us, which makes me ask the question, what's our measure? 
what's your measure? And you're like, well, what human are we talking about? Does your measure change per person, <laughs> per situation? And I like that God knows that. Jesus is so sweet in saying, I know your measuring stick is different. That's why my measure for you is going to be four different ways as well. It's going to be a good measure. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be running over. Do you see the different measurings that are happening right here? What measure are you using in judgment? It's a question. What measure are you using in condemning others? <gasps> I don't condemn. I would never do that. You just condemn somebody who condemns. <laughs> Irony. How do you forgive? How well do you forgive? What's your measuring on what forgiveness you're going to give to others? Well, I'll give this amount of forgiveness to this person because I just love that person. But I'm going to give this amount of forgiveness to that person because you know that person? It's a different measuring stick. What measure do you use? When it comes to giving, what measure do you use? That same measure is going to come back and be measured against you. Do you have a lot of questions going through your head as you read that? A lot of internal questions? A lot of internal blocks, so you're like, oh, too much, too soon, I'm going. Note to self, don't go to women inseparable. <laughs> Things get real. Here's what scripture says in verse 39. This is how beautiful our Savior is. This is how kind Jesus is. Jesus gives a powerful truth. He throws it down. He lays it down to whomever he's speaking to. Sometimes it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Sometimes it's a specific conversation to people that don't like him like religious leaders. Sometimes it's specific to his disciples, his followers, and he gives a parable and he explains the parables to his disciples. You ever notice that? Mm -hmm. And then he gives parables to heaps of people, to crowds that surround him. He gives a parable. And that parable is always about the context it's being spoken of. So if remember your measure. We're talking about our measure. And this is what he says in verse 39. He also told them a parable. And these are the words that our Savior Jesus said, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Can a blind man lead a blind man? And there's a question mark. Good place to stop. If you are sitting by yourself with the Lord, and you're reading this, stop at a question mark. It's my encouragement to you. You need to read your certain amount of reading for the day. Stop at a question mark. Answer the question. You're like, if I don't know the answer to that question, then don't keep reading until you can answer that question. But what if it takes me a week to figure out, oh, you just spent a week thinking about a question that our Jesus asked. Isn't that a good Bible study? That's a deep Bible study. That's good. Can a blind man lead a blind man? And then he asks another question to stack on top of that. He says, will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple, he says in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher. General disciple. Nobody here is specifically named. And a general teacher. Nobody here is specifically named. He says, in general, a disciple is not above his teacher, right? A student. That's common sense. We know that. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he, oh, that's an interesting use of words, but everyone collectively, that's general, when he, that's individual, that's personal, that's one. See that change? 
Well, that was an interesting change. I got stuck on that for a long time. So you've got a general student, and you've got a general teacher, and you've got generalized everyone, and you have one he. So he's saying this is a general lesson for all to hear. Do you have ears to hear? Hear. It's very general, and then it's very personal. So take that general lesson and make it personal. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Goes back to our question, what's your measure? When it comes to judgment, what's your measure and whom are you following as your teacher in the world of judging others? Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both fall into a pit? In the world of judging, you're going to follow somebody in the world of judging. Maybe it's a parent that taught you how to judge and you follow that example because cycles repeat itself. Maybe it's a preacher that you've been listening to. Maybe it's your internal self. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe your children have risen up and taught you a new way of thinking. A student is going to follow his teacher. That's general, which means we are all going to be students and we're all going to have a teacher. Who's your teacher in the world of judging? Have you ever thought about that? Where did you learn your habit of judging? Another question to ponder. And when it comes to your level of teaching, what did your teacher teach you how to measure that judgment? I'm like, well, judgment is bad. I can't get over judging. Judgment isn't bad. Judgment is a tool. Judgment needs to happen. There is proper judgment. The entire book of 1 Corinthians tells us to judge. How to judge, when to judge, why to judge. <laughs> judge for the kingdom of God. Judgment is powerful. But why does Jesus say judge not? Oh, because in our flesh, we like to judge others. And according to this verse, our judgment turns to condemnation, doesn't it? You judge a person enough, you're going to want to condemn them. And it gets gross. Bitterness comes in. It gets gross. Condemnation is gross. Leads us into our next question. Who's your teacher in the world of condemnation? If you need a lesson on a good teacher, good teaching on judgment, go to 1 Corinthians. If you want a lesson on good condemnation, and condemnation is bad, if you want a good teacher to follow on how to receive condemnation, how to give, to block that whole process, go to Romans 8. We, we opened up this series talking about condemnation in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Further down in Romans 8, it says, who then shall condemn us. If we know that God is the Father and God the Father sent His Son, His eternal Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to live on this earth, to die on that cross, to be buried in that tomb, to rise again, to ascend to heaven, and we know that, who can condemn? The answer? No one. No one. So should that be our measuring when it comes to, comes to condemnation? If we are standing in the light of Jesus Christ as believers and followers of His voice, and we are free from condemnation, then what condemnation do we have the right to cast upon others? There's your measuring. Like, I really struggle with condemnation, then memorize Romans 8. The whole chapter, sure. Or verse 1. Make it easier. Start with verse 1. Work your way through. Get your measuring adjusted to Jesus. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Verse 41 and 42 are very interesting. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, 
but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? <laughs> you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Can a blind man lead a blind man, or where they both fall into a pit? What's your vision? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Who are you following? Take that log out of your eye. And then when you see clearly, you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. We're called to take the speck out of each other's eyes. It's not saying don't, don't bother somebody else. If you see a speck in a brother's eyes, take that speck out of your brother's eyes. But if you're trying to get that speck out of a sister's eye and you've got this big log and you're following the blind into a pit and you're stuck on judgment, and you're stuck on condemnation and you're saying, here, let me take that speck out. You're taking it out full of judgment and condemnation. You're trying to pry it out of them. Where's the love? Where's the mercy? You take that log out, you know fully who you're following, you know fully who your teacher is, and you're striving to become like your teacher, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see a brother who's got a speck in his eye, you're no longer coming at that brother with judgment. You're no longer coming at that brother with condemnation. You're now going to that second part of verse 37, and you're going with forgiveness. And you're going with a gift and saying, sweet friend, I see something in your eye. Can we talk about it? I see it clearly because I see my Jesus. Are you able to see Jesus clearly right now? Or is this thing in your way? And you walk with that person and you sit with that person, you stand with that person and you love that person until that speck is no longer there. And your forgiveness grows and your giving grows. And you go back to verse 36 where it says, be merciful for your Father in heaven is merciful. And you sit there with that brother and you've got that speck out of their eye and your log is long gone and that speck isn't even in your own eye and you're like, we're merciful. We just showed mercy because God showed me mercy. God showed me mercy by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. That mercy took away my judgment. That's my measure. That mercy from God the Father took away my heart of condemnation. That's my measure. Jesus. It's Jesus. When we talk about this world of giving our gifts, sometimes we get so caught up in, well, what is my gift? 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 And we want to label our gift because labels are great. Don't we love labels? <laughs> Some of us truly love labels. Other, some of us don't. But we get our things, we want to label it. So when we label it, we can identify it and we can grow it and we can, everything goes back to that label. So we get stuck on our, our gift, that specific. Where Jesus is saying, be merciful. Be merciful. In your judging, be merciful. In condemnation, be merciful. In forgiving, be merciful. In giving, be merciful. You focus on that mercy and you go back to verse 38 and it says the measure that you use will be measured back to you. Micah 6. Micah is a, an amazing book. He's a prophet from old. Our prophets are to be heard. I encourage you deeply. Read the prophets of old. 
Micah 6 says this, in light of our measure, in light of our judging, our condemning, our forgiving, our giving, he says this, verse 6, I want to start there. He says, with what shall I come before the Lord? And how shall I bow myself before God on high? Do you feel the weight of that question? When we just study this section of, Matthew, of Luke 6 and we think judgment and we feel a weight like, oh, I judge. And as we feel that weight, we're judging ourselves and we feel incompetent and incomplete and unworthy to even claim the, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're stuck thinking, oh, judging, I judge, I hate that I judge. And we get stuck there. Anybody there? And we think of condemnation and you get that weight on there and you think, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. I can't, I can't even approach the throne of God because I'm really struggling with this area of condemnation. And we think of forgiveness and that is a hard topic. We could do a whole 12 week study on forgiveness, couldn't we? There are so many layers of forgiveness and every one of us have been affected by the giving of it, the not giving of it. There's so many so many emotions that come with forgiveness. And we have those emotions. Some of us have those emotions going through our heart right now to the point that we can't even hear anything else that's going on because that situation, that person is just overwhelming us. And we think we are supposed to go before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't even forgive this person. I can't even think about this situation without bawling up inside. Micah says, with what shall I come before the Lord? How shall I bow? before God on high. Do you ever feel that? He asks hypothetical questions, hypothetical in a way, but Old Testament law at the same time. He goes through what he knows are things that are proper to come before God. God Almighty. What am I supposed to bring to him? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? You can picture Micah pausing pondering that question within his heart. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000s of rivers of oil? Things that are so big that I can't even attain, but I'm gonna to try to attain things that are so vast and then I'll be worthy to come before God. Is that what God is wanting of me? Shall I give, this one breaks my heart. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? Shall I give the very fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? The weight, the heaviness of a human when they think about their humanity coming before God Almighty. Nothing is big enough, good enough, worthy enough to be presented before God. Worship God how I have nothing. I have nothing worthy to lay before God. Can you identify with this, the weight of that? But then there's verse eight. It says, he has told you, oh man, in your humanity, in your creation of who you were designed to be, you have been told what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? It's a good question. 
What does the Lord require of you? Does he require burnt offerings? Does he require a requirement of what kind of calf to use, of what kind of ram to use, how many measures of oil do you lay before the king? What does he require of you? But to do justice. And we think of our judging and we think of our condemning. And he says, what does he require of you but to do justice? There's a good measure right there. You want to measure when it comes to your judging, when it comes to your world of condemnation, do justice. Well, what does that look like? Well, memorize this verse and lay this verse and say this verse verbally before your God. Lay that down. Oh, man, that I will do justice in the eyes of God with the love of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. And you write that down, that, I, that light bulb moment of, okay, my due justice has to do with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to write that down on a piece of paper, and I'm going to pen that person's name next to the name of God, the name of Jesus, and the name of the Spirit. I'm going to write that person's name that I'm judging and condemning. And then I'm going to see what that looks like. Does, do you think that'll look a little different than it does when you're driving around or when you're in the situation or you're thinking about that person at night or waking up in the morning thinking about that person? Does the judgment look different when you're in the flesh judgment, judging and when you've got that person's name next to your Savior's name? Maybe you'll find yourself praying salvation over that person. Maybe you'll start praying forgiveness over that person. Maybe you'll start finding yourself giving something from your heart to that person. And your measure changes because of your Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that power? He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? What does the Lord require of you but to love kindness? Some of your versions, I'm reading from the ESV, some of your versions will say to love steadfast love. Some of them will say to love mercy. And we're back to Luke 6:36. Be merciful, for your Father in heaven is merciful. And you grow in the area of doing justice. And you find yourself loving mercy so much you can't contain the mercy that your Father has given to you that it starts spilling out even to that person, even over that situation. And your judgment starts dropping and your condemnation starts dropping. And before you even realize it, your forgiveness toward yourself to others starts rising. And it's not that you've been focusing on growing in the world of forgiveness and you're praying and focusing on this. You're focusing so much on the mercy of your father in your life that before you even realize it, you have a heart of forgiveness and you had no idea where it came from but it's just spilling out of you a lot more than it was before. And you're like, God, I wasn't even thinking about it anymore. He says, correct. It's exactly what it should be. You're focused so much on my mercy in your life that it's spilling out as if it's running over into the lives of others. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice? What does the Lord require of you but to love kindness, to love mercy? What does the Lord require of you but to walk humbly with your God? Walk humbly with your God. 
this one little verse you can apply to that whole passage we were doing in Luke 6. Judge not, condemn not, but forgive and give. Be merciful. Right above the be, mer be merciful, you see love your enemies. Right below this passage, you see a tree is known for its fruit. This whole passage goes together with your vision, with your setting your eyes. It all goes back to that center sentence of can the blind lead the blind, lest they both fall into a pit. Who are you following? Who are you leading? You as a student will become like your teacher. You will. If your teacher is the news, if your teacher is a magazine, if your teacher is a human, have you ever noticed? We always tell our children, be careful who you hang out with because you're going to become like those you hang around with. That is what is being said in this passage. A student is going to become like their teacher. Who are you following? It's an interesting jewel in the middle of this passage. I get back to Luke 6. What I love about this when we apply it specifically to our giving of our gifts Verse 38 says, give and it will be given to you. When we talk about God's mercy and we change our measuring, it says God is going to give to you what you give to others. And he's going to give you four things. He's going to give you something that is called a good measure, a good measure. That made me look in scripture and think, what does God measure? It's a good question. And I encourage you to ask that same question and find what scripture comes to your mind when you think about what does God measure? What's God's measure? Ever thought about that? If we are going to get what we give in this world of judging and condemning and forgiving and giving, what, what is God's measuring stick? And it took me to the Old Testament and it took me to Revelation where God specifically and very detailed measured the temple of God. He measured that temple. Every detail of the temple of God is so detailed in its measuring of the inside, the outside, the altar, the, the things that are on the altar. Everything is measured with such particularity. And then we see in 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? What's God's measure but the temple of God? That's not saying that, oh, so I'm supposed to compare everybody to me. Ah, oh, you're just going to start judging others if you do it that way. But the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that's filling the temple of God, that's your measure. And when you focus on that Holy Spirit that's living within you and you measure others based on that, forgiveness is going to grow. Giving is going to grow and you're going to be rewarded with a good measure. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be running over. We are almost out of time, but I want to encourage you to do a study on those three things. What three things do you think of scripturally in the Old Testament when you think something is being pressed down, when you think of something that is shaken together and something that is running over? We did a study on Joel once upon a time. And in Joel, we saw that there was gladness that overtook the, the nation of God. And that gladness came when their eyes were set on God and God returned to them wine and grain and oil. Those three things are representations of sacrifice and offering to God. You give and it will be given to you. Good measure and items of sacrifice that you can freely give back to God. 
it always goes back to what can you give to God. It doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what area you lay out your offering. The whole idea is this. Do you know God the Father? Do you know Jesus, the risen Son of God? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If your answer is yes, then attain the mercy that the Father has given to you and lay that mercy down as you are where you are. No matter what your gift is, my gift is teaching. It's been my dream since I was a six-year-old girl, and I've taken the spiritual gifts test multiple times in my adult life. Every time, teaching. It's a gift I have from God. I love it. If I lay down my gift of teaching without realizing the mercy that I have from God, how would that teaching come out? This lesson specifically would sound very judgmental, I think, if I taught this lesson without mercy, wouldn't it? I would feel like I'm like judging those that are staying in the scripture with me, like, don't judge. And it would be heavy of condemnation, not focused on forgiving and giving. Give. Give your gift according to the mercy of God. Is your gift exhortation? Is your talent cooking in the kitchen or sewing things or loving others or sitting over coffee with a stranger? What's your gift? What's your talent? Lay that down. That person that you are naturally, lay that down with your eyes set on the mercy of the Father and see what God will do with that gift. It will be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's the promise of scripture. Our study is Jesus and me today. We've talked much about our Jesus. And as we talk about Jesus, it's a study of ourselves. Do you see how that works? The more we talk about Jesus, the more we study Jesus, the more we become our own homework. Isn't that neat? It's fascinating to see ourselves grow into the likeness of Jesus just by studying Jesus. It's the sweetest study imaginable. But we're talking about Jesus and me today. So the goal is that you will know what your gift is, know what your talent is, know who your person is today, and that you'll lay down your gift for Jesus today. Many of us, we started this by saying, I've studied Romans 12. I've studied 1 Corinthians 12. I've studied the gifts of God. The question, however, in Jesus and me today is, are you using it today? I'm like, but, but I'd rather study it because studying it is easier. But where's that? Next week, we're going to talk about reaping in joy. Oh, that we'll use our gift today so that tomorrow we can reap in joy. Oh, next week's going to be a good study. Give your gift today. You're like, well, that's a lot of pressure. No, it's not. Because the best way to start giving your gift to God today is by getting on your face before your God today and say, here's my gift. Can I use it just within me and you today? Have you ever thought about using your gift just between you and God? Let it start there. What does that look like? I don't know. I don't know what your gift is. I don't know what your time with God alone looks like. But get personal with God and say, this is my gift. I took this gifts test to help me find out what my gift is. This is my gift. This is my talent. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. Lay it before God in private prayer. And ask God, open my eyes to see how you use this gift in my walk with you. And evaluate that. Gail, Dandy, and I did that this week. We evaluated our gifts according to just our personal time. As a teacher, <laughs> I always hate telling my personal things. As I tell you guys, tell your personal things. 
When I, do you love that hypocrisy? When I'm reading scripture, and I've done this since I was a single digit, if I'm reading scripture or memorizing a passage and I don't understand it fully, I teach it in my head. Sometimes there's crowds around me in my head and I'm teaching it to those crowds. Sometimes I'm talking to a person that I, I know it'll impact that relationship and I teach it to that person. Sometimes it's just straight me getting yelled at by me <laughs> as I'm learning the scripture. But I've done this my whole life. I've taught scripture in my own head and it helps me understand it. As I got older and God has allowed me to teach women, I see how God used that innocent little habit of mine to teach women publicly. And I talk publicly the same way I talk in my head when I'm reading scripture by myself with my God. So that's my embarrassing, that's, that's, that's what I do. What do you do? What do you do? Most likely you've been doing it. You've just never noticed it as a gift laid before your king. Evaluate that. What gift do you have? What talent do you have that you've just naturally pour out before God and you just figure, well, that's just me and God. Well, that's your heart of gift of giving. What is that? What does that look like? And evaluate that. It's a sweet evaluation. We've been doing that. So on that paper, there's a place to write your gifts. There's a place for scripture. I'm not going to give you a scripture. Find a scripture. Whatever that gift is, whatever that is that you're laying before God, find a scripture that encourages you to do that again. Something that grows you and God. The study is about nobody but Jesus and you today. That scripture, there's 66 books worth of verses. Find one or write the Bible. <laughs> that's, that's the easy out. And then there's a place to put your talents. If the whole gifts test is for whatever reason, not your thing, you're not understanding it, you don't, whatever. And you wanna just focus on who God has created you to be and you have a talent that nobody else has or a talent that you're really proud of, write that talent down. Do you know that talent is a gift given from God to you to give to God? And you're like, but the talent is so small. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a gift to lay down before your king. Use that talent. Our talents are so diverse. They're so beautiful. Give your talent to your God. There's a middle section that says, today I will use my gift to who? Who will you give it to today? Some of us will put God. I'm going to give my gift to God today. Some of us will put our own name. Some of us will put a person's name, a group, a Bible study, a youth group, a church that's in need of hands and feet to vacuum, to wipe down a wall. What can you do? Today in your church, whatever church it is you're attending, what can you do for your Lord in your church today? In your community, in your city, whatever city you live in, what can you do with your gifts, your talents today? Do it today. Literally do it today. Get a contact number of that thing and call them and say, hi, can I come vacuum your church today? <laughs> I guarantee they'll say yes. Let's get you on the schedule. Can I come hold a baby? Sure thing. See you next week. Today, make that contact. You're like, but you're being really direct. Yes, I am. Because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Is he not? Mm -hmm. So what are we doing today? Why wait? We're too busy waiting for Jesus to come again. Don't waste your life waiting. 
live your life waiting. There's a huge difference. So today, contact somebody. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for measuring us according to your son. And I thank you for giving us a whole new name, a whole new reputation. I thank you so much for filling us with the mind of Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with your love. Lord, John so often tells us through his books and his letters that love is how we're identified as a child of God. Thank you for giving us that opportunity to shine. I pray it shall help us to give our gift, whatever that gift is, whatever that talent is, whatever that person that you've created us to be, I pray that we'll be strong enough and sweet enough and humble enough to walk with you and lay our person down at your feet. I pray that your mercy will spill out of us. I pray that you'll use us, that you'll use us today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll use us today. And if I may, if I can finish with how scripture finishes and say, Lord Jesus, come. And until you come, help us to live. Set our eyes, Heavenly Father, set our eyes on the coming of your Savior. And I pray that as our eyes are set on our Savior, that it'll impact our life today. We praise these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.